Koan Vioma Law PLLC is 100% native owned and operated, founded by Viren Koan Vioma. Their practice areas include corporate law, business transactions, finance, economic development, gaming, casino development, online gaming, real estate, environmental permitting and approvals, telecommunications, government affairs, employment and labor relations, historic preservation and cultural resources, and energy. Koan Vioma Law is committed to making positive and lasting change in our communities as they support nonprofit volunteering. Community activism and employing Indian preference in hiring and vendor relations. The Cobal Scholarship Program. Are you an enrolled member of a federally recognized tribe interested in pursuing a college degree at any level? Think about applying for the Cobal Scholarship. Applications for the 24-25 academic year undergraduate and graduate scholarship opportunities are now open and close March 31st, 2024. Please visit cobalscholar.org for more information and apply today. Juniper Outpost Boutique, located in Mesquite, Nevada, is thrilled to help support the quality content brought to you by Carl and Jayman. Saving the world isn't easy, but at Juniper Outpost, they make great gift giving and finding that special item you don't need but have to have all too easy. They value supporting local artists and small batch vendors from throughout Arizona, Nevada, and Southern Utah, and in providing products from folks trying to make the world a better place. Juniper Outpost invites you to stop on by on your way through. Visit them first on Facebook or Instagram at Juniper Outpost Boutique or their website www.juniper-outpost.com outpost.com You are now listening to the Carl and J-Man Save the World Podcast. I am your host, the five-star, five-diamond chef, J-Man. And with me is Loma Boy Carl. <laughs> Good afternoon, everybody. <laughs> here on the Hobie Reservation, we are live now here on the, at uh, the, what, what is this, the Veterans Center? We're live on location at the Veterans Center. And so for that, home listeners, if it sounds a little echoey, it's because uh, we're working on site. And so we have a little bit different sy- system set up. The uh, studio is much larger today. Yeah, yeah. The, the studio is much larger today. And so if you guys hear our feedback, it's, it's because we're in a huge building. We're in a huge building. And so we got a huge audience out there. I think there's probably at least uh, 15 people sitting down. <laughs> That's more. Quite a that, that is more people walking around. So there's probably at least 100 people in the room. <laughs> but that, but that is a much larger crowd than we're accustomed to yeah. speaking in front of. Because yeah. normally, I think that at times the only other audience member is AJ, and AJ is supposed to be here, but I don't see her walking around so she might pop in usually I just somewhere with the camera usually our podcast is only listened to one person which is so so and so we have to watch what we do say in front of Seoul. and so we are here live on location at a special event we're here at the language symposium which is coordinated by the Hopi Tetukaiki which we did mention in the last two episodes because you are Carl involved with this to a degree that you are helping to coordinate and yeah. that we were specially yeah. invited 
delighted to be here during the lunch hour to provide the entertainment as folks walk around. And so we're here live recording and then also expressing our, uh, I, I guess, the conversation out to the folks that are here uh, presently. With, yeah, so our, our topic today is language and you'll probably you probably know all about language and Hopi language and throughout the whole throughout the whole symposium I've only heard Hopi spoken at least three times throughout the whole symposium <laughs> we were I, I had I had an individual that called me earlier today and he was present yesterday during the evening time for the symposium and he had some ideas that he wanted to run by as far as you know what what it is that we should we should talk about and uh, i completely forgot the list that i wrote down and so yeah. i actually was prepared to talk about something here but i i guess you know because um you and i kind of had a little side conversation yeah. as the presenter ahead of us was talking and you know it was a real fancy presentation equipped with PowerPoint and dialogue and you know we were kind of glazing the audience and you know I, I shared with you yeah. that uh, look at the audience look 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 who's all here and I kind of made well the, there's nobody here now so well, at the time that we were talking <laughs> at the time that we were talking and then so I, I I made the comment to you you know look at who's all here because then I said that you know what's the purpose of us being here you know it's a language symposium yeah I, I suppose that the purpose is language that people want to talk about our lavai they want to talk about who's learning our lavai and then I spoke to you as far as regarding the audience I said meh so so my dying Who's all here by mostly, uh, and no offense to anybody out there if we, we, we offend you by this, but mostly wuwiyongkam. Yeah. Mostly yeah. elders. And Elderly so are here. if you were to throw the question out there, you know, and then, you know, for once that the majority of folks will probably raise their hand. Yeah. That, you know, a majority of folks are here that, that are, are, are speakers. And then, so then, you know, you made the comment that, you know, well, well, if you already know Hopi, then why are you here? <laughs> and, and so, you know, but then I thought that, you know, because then if you're here and, you know, it's a language symposium, my guess is that you probably have an interest in helping to preserve the language, that there's some sort of interest to hear the conversation as far as who's learning it, how are they learning it, and I guess most importantly, would be is anybody learning it because then you know you you made that comment to me that uh i and i don't know if this is true or not but i i just got here but you picked up from the previous presentation that Buh, our lavai is being considered a skill in yeah. in some regard because then like when you think about trade you think about woodwork, carpentry as that's, a that's skill. That's a skill, yeah. You think about welding, somebody that knows how to weld, that's a skill. Because then if you're a carpenter and somebody's having a pool being built, do you think that your skill in that scenario will be beneficial? You know, it, when I was, when I was May, here... Maybe not so much, right? No. Like, like, like if the pool's being built with motor and brick then then maybe the the carpenter wouldn't be as, as useful yeah i mean in, like in that scenario if we're looking at it from that framework of our levai being a skill if you're if you're thinking that like you know language is a skill and have to be obtained like that then i mean like do you 
okay, so for example, for example, like everybody knows how how a taco is built, right? Everybody knows what a taco. You have taco I, I, shell. I would I would argue that my niece probably doesn't know how a taco <laughs> is built, but go ahead. so like you have the taco shell, you have the meat, you have the fix, fixings on top, you know, like the lettuce, tomatoes, and sour cream. So that's that's how a that's how a taco is built. Mm-hmm. But yet, how do you prepare the meat? How do you obtain the the shell? Where do you obtain the shell? Mm-hmm. Those are all types of skills in a mindset, mm-hmm. I guess you could say, in a way. And when you think about when you think about the Hopi language, in a way, we're it's not a skill because we're we already I guess we already kind of obtain that knowledge when we were when we were born. So, but nowadays, I guess it can be considered as a skill because. Our first language is English, and our first, first when when we do speak, when we do speak, it's because we speak because we hear our parents, our grandparents speak Bahana to us, and so I guess nowadays it would be considered a well, skill. Well, I, I I think that for me the the example of you know now considering our language being a skill, Nungwa to me. That I think that now in this day and age, because we have people all over the place, and this is something that I said to you as as before we came on, because you know I I, I made a comment, yeah, and you're always your your go-to is always to criticize the urbans, <laughs> and you know I I said that I said to you I said that there still are people, yeah, whether you like it or not, true, there still are relatives, whether you like it or not, there's yeah. still your whether you like it or not. But then really, the, the reason why I, I say that is because that this people, in this day and age, we look at it differently. Like we don't look at it in the same way. No, no. Because then like for somebody that is... Like us, like for us, for example, because I, I, I wanted to use us as an example because I really truly do believe that our generation is probably the last somewhat coherent in the language generation Yeah. that after us that, you know, I, do, I don't think that they really understand the Lavai more so I, that they understand like, bits of pieces I guess, of it. I by, guess by you, Mikian, would... you know, even though we don't speak the very best if any of our Lavai speakers out there talk to us by so just in Hopikwa, then we could at least, at the very least, understand them. And I think that our generation is the last one that has that, I guess, skill set or, or possesses that, knowledge that, set. that ability yeah, the knowledge to, to be set. able to process that. But then, because then, I guess how I, I think about it in my head is that, you know, because we, we have this ability to understand, to fully understand when somebody is speaking to us. And then now our viewpoint of the language is going to be different versus somebody who has zero knowledge of the language. Because then like Umi, you, for example, you live with your soul. Yeah. You live with your yeah. gua. And then so as a result of that, you're not using the Lavai as a skill. No. You're using it as a communications means. Yeah. That, you know, you're using it for everyday communication. And then my situation is the same that my yumat, my parents, that for the most part, with our own language. Yeah. And so out of respect for them, 
out of respect for who I am or who I believe that I am as a Hopi person, yeah. that I try my best to speak back to them in the in their first language. And then so you know, with us, it's it's a different way. And then you think about some of the speakers that are here. Obviously, their perspective on the language is much different as in regards to how they apply it. Sort of like the teaching because, tool. Because as... then for for them, it's just simple communication. True. Because Toki last night, I had the uh, I had the experience of listening to uh, a good old Hopi hunting story. And the person that was telling the hunting story, he was saying it in, in nothing but Hopi. Yeah. But then it's like, when you think about a hunting story, what's what's the usefulness of a hunting story outside of entertainment or to maybe brag about yourself? <laughs> but then, you know, for me, it was entertainment because then I got to hear this story because me being a hunter myself, yeah. I got to hear this person's experience. I got to hear the words that he was using in order to describe what he was talking about. And so for me, being a learner still, that I had that position as being the one educated, learning from this person telling his story. And from his perspective, all he was doing was telling his buddies a story. Like yeah, that it's was like his, his only only purpose. Was just to, to entertain just, just to entertain his somebody with a story and to help yeah. pass the time and that's what he was talking about. He was talking about a hunting story. But then for me I was really sitting there with my ears wide open, really listening to him and then really paying attention to the words that he was using to tell his story. And then I started to compare it to other people's hunting stories. This be, because I think that, you know, the presenter too that was on before us, you know, he was really introducing this idea of modern terms that we use now. And like, because hunting, there's a lot of modernization in it. Instead of just using autas, we use imukinpis now. Yeah. Instead of just using other types of uh, tools, there's deer carriers, there's specific scopes, there's specific knives. This people, when you go mock them, that you have to have a vehicle now, which is something that's a new introduction tool to be able to help you to hunt. And so, and I think that's why I was really lis listening to him tell his uh. story because then, you know, there's a lot of modernization with hunting in this day and age. And I Main, really mainly. wanted to see how he described certain things with our language. Mainly that story had 90% uh, of bad Hopi words in there. And then, you know, 20% of just whatever his story were, was. So that's, you know, Hopi Lavai. Hopi Lavai is, is I guess, I guess back in the old days, it wasn't a skill. It was obtained. It was knowledge that was passed through your, I guess, you were already born with it. But now, nowadays, it, it, you do have to obtain it. it. It's so hard for young children to relate to it, I guess. It's like you have to relate to like what what is like what like my example before was like the taco. Everybody loves tacos, right? Everybody loves the the taste of tacos, but everybody everybody can't relate to the taco of where it came from. So like, you know, where did the taco come from? And so that's basically how how modern Hopi is to children is that why do we have to speak this? What's what's the purpose of this whole idea of learning Hopi? And so that's the reason why we we just sort of 
kind of brush it off, I guess, in a way where it's like, you know, okay, well, we'll I'll just speak、uh, English to you because I kind of know Hopi words, but yet, you know, it's, it's not, a, it's not a, a real thing we should be concerned about. We're concerned about, in this day and age, we're concerned about learning the white man's way of life. We're very concerned about, like, Getting the money right now. We're concerned about living the white man's way of life. And that's what Hopi is all about. It's, it's, it's not about learning the language now, it's just about how can our children in the future be self sufficient. And that's what we're looking for. And that's why Pahana is winning. And Pahana is winning this whole idea of, of language that. When, when it's canceled, when the Hopi language is canceled, then they could say that, oh, yeah, you guys are assimilated. And we are already assimilated. If you really think about it, we're so assimilated that we have to have these types of symposiums for Hopi language. Well, well if I could reel you back in from your normal <laughs> one two punch, you know, it's hard for you to learn some new tricks, but、uh, I, I thank God that I'm here. But, you know, because I, I think that when we talk about, you know, like who's, who's learning the language, how are they learning the language, how, what's the reasoning for them wanting to learn the language, it's because then, like, you, you think about, we, we had this conversation on a, on a previous episode. Yeah. And it, it was specifically in regards to, to this symposium. And the question that I posed was Do you think that as a non speaking person, Can you be a part of the learning process for somebody to acquire the language? And I, I don't think that I brought this example up to you on the podcast, but I know I shared it with you、uh, in, in some way. We might have, I might have shared it with you off air.、Yeah. But I, I do have a, a friend that works with、uh, the Fort McDowell tribe. And、uh, you'll be amazed at how many Hopis are part of the Pima communities. That you、yeah. got a lot of Hopis down in Gila River, you got a lot of Hopis down in Salt River, and then you got a lot of Hopis down in Fort McDowell. But my friend, who I know for a fact is a non speaker, non Hopi speaker, by Nikyang, by she's Hopi. She's Hopi through,、uh, I believe that via, if you're looking at blood quantum, she's only a quarter Hopi, but Nikyang through our own traditional. Ideas, Bombay, she's Hopi because she's Hopi through her mother. Yeah. Mother yeah. is Hopi through、yeah. the soul. And then, you know, so therefore, you know, she, she has this ability to call herself Hopi. But then she doesn't possess the language. But then, yet, that didn't stop the, her place of employment from putting her in a position to teach a language class. And so, you know, somebody that had no knowledge of the language was teaching a language class. And so I don't know how a kit or some sort of teaching tool was put together for her, but she had a teaching kit. And so from this teaching kit, you know, she was going through more or less so the motions, I guess, of, of trying to teach the language. Because then, you know, I know that one of your. Biggest points, and I'm actually surprised that you haven't said it yet, is that you know, that in order to learn the language, that a part of it is learning the culture. And you know, one of the speakers here might have said that already that you know, part、yeah. of learning the language is learning the culture because then it's from the culture that we derive the language. And so, if you understand the culture, then it's easier for you to process and understand, understand the language.、Yeah. Because then, you know, when we're talking about this idea 
of non-speakers or non-fluent speakers possibly being a part of the learning process. And I, I do think that, you know, that there, there could be a place for non-speakers, for non-fluent speakers to be a part of the language acquisition process. But then, you know, specifically to the example that I'm bringing up is that when you're somebody that doesn't have a grasp of the language, but then yet you're teaching it, that there's so many nuances, I guess, of our language. Because then one, for example, is that, you know, we have some words that even though it's one word, that they might have multiple meanings. And so one, for example, is kiva. And then if you were to ask somebody, pamhima, kiva, most people's mind would probably go to something that has a ladder that's sticking out of it. <laughs> yeah. But then yet that word kiva, Bum, 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 kiva. Like it means something else outside yeah. of just a structure. And so you would need somebody that understands that in order to differentiate that kiva means two different things. Yeah. Exactly. And so like what, what I did say on our last podcast. Yeah, we know Carl Urbans and <laughs> tacos and <laughs> what I did what I did say was that in order to learn the language, you have to learn the culture. And you can't have just learning the, the language itself. If you just learn the language, you might as well just be a scholar in that in that particular language. So you do have to just, you have to learn both the same thing. Language and culture go together. And that was my point. It was the point of doing that, that if you're immersed in the culture itself, then you know the language, then you understand the context of that language there. And I guess most of when we do speak, like when we do speak about Hopi, we're not thinking about it because we're so immersed about culture. You know, going to the Kiva, we go to the Kiva and we speak Hopi. We joke around in Hopi. But yeah, we don't... I don't know. You guys out here are starting to talk a lot of English in the Kiva. So <laughs> but we, we joke around in the, in, the, in the Kiva, like in our language, but we're not thinking about it. We're not thinking about like the sentence structures. We're not thinking about like the, the language parts of like, uh, like, you know, oh, I should form this as a, um, like uh, if, if it's an if or a what or a how or a do or and stuff like that. We're not... We're not there thinking about it. We're, we're there just, you know, shooting the breeze and, and whatnot. So that's, I guess that's... I don't know. I, I think you could benefit from thinking about it and, you know, <laughs> actually thinking about your structures and... The, the structure and, of uh, how yeah, I speak yeah, Hopi. Yeah. That, that, was, that was always been one of my joke to you because every time we go to the store and I see you talking to Hopi, like, I swear to God, your favorite Hopi word is piwa. You use it as a sentence, like every single time. Okay, Carl, you didn't have to say that. Maybe, maybe that was maybe uh, what was it? Uh, Daryl Melvin can uh, change that. The most uh, requested word was what was it? Bye, and then so now B was the the most. That's your most requested word. Is the most used word. But then, you know, because then I, I guess in, in that, that, that to me, that's the purpose of, of the symposium is to kind of get everybody's perspective on it. Because then like that, like a, a, a speaker will probably have the same mentality as you. Yeah. When I'm yeah. talking to so-and-so, there's no thought about structure. It's just we're just talking. That That's all we're doing is that we're just talking. But then when you're somebody that's trying to learn how to speak better then maybe then we're thinking about structure, then maybe we're thinking about some of these words 
and how they're used, whether that's past tense, present tense, or, you know, etc. And so then therefore that way it changes. And then if you're somebody that's like that, like our, our urban relatives that, you know, that really just have this hunger to learn something because then, you know, they want to apply it when they come home, that when they're whether it's in their own family homes in the village or for those of them that do go to the Kiva. That, because I couldn't see, that's the thing, and I think that's the part that where we kind of fail, is that we don't put ourselves in each other's shoes as far as, you know, who's making this ask? Teach me how to speak Hopi. Yeah, I want yeah. to speak Hopi because I don't know what it feels like to go into the Kiva and completely not know what anybody's saying. I couldn't imagine what that feeling is to be sitting down there and then when one of the older men stands up and you know kind of addresses anybody, everybody, but when you're sitting there and you have absolutely no idea what they're saying, but what I don't know what that that feels like. Yeah. And so I think that you know those types of people that they probably I just want to know enough so that I can understand what's kind of, being, kind of being, just get by. being said down there. And then, you know, I've had conversations with, you know, folks down there at the Kiva and talking about, well, you know, at the very least, we should at least teach simple words that way that they can know what's being said. Like, Leetzirta is probably a word that they should understand because then you're always hearing the... Uh, somebody say that or, or something to that extent or other types of words that would be beneficial would be probably another one that would be a benefit for somebody to understand or even like the girls that go down into the kiva to go inita yeah. that there's probably some some phrases that you could throw out there and then in that in that sense I guess when you're talking about it like that so that you know at least for for the, that youngest generation to have the ability to understand what's going on so that way they could be guided to their positions and what their purpose is for being down there then when you're thinking about the language then in fact it is a tool it's a tool it's a learning tool because then they're using it so that they know where it is that they need to go when they're down there in the kiva so what how so if if you were an educator Mm -hmm. if you were an educator of and if you had like a degree like all of these professors out here what would be how would you teach a child to full, fully speak Hopi, what would be the first thing that you say to this child? That if a child already knows English, but yet you want this him or her to speak Hopi, what would you what would you say to that? I, I think that the immersion style would be the best way. And I can't remember if I brought this example up before, but during my and of course, what makes me laugh is that I learned this at in, in a college setting. Is that <laughs> when I was out there pursuing my degree in American Indian Studies for my master's degree, that I did have a class that was related to language revitalization. And the course was being taught by, by a Pueblo lady. And I, I want to say that she was from Isleta Pueblo, but I, I know that she was from one of the Pueblos. But then as students, when we first walked into the class, Ita teacher Bombaisok, her own Lavai, that's all that she spoke to us. She didn't say anything else, no English whatsoever, just her own language. And through her hand gestures, through different means of communicating, she taught us to stand up 
she told us to circle around and then she was able to communicate with us so that we could say one link one sentence in her language and she taught us how to do this all by only speaking her her own language and none of us had any comprehension of what she was saying but because of all of her hand gestures her movements that we were able to understand what she was trying to get us to do and then at the end of the day we actually learned a sentence in her language and I thought that was amazing because then it's like I have a level of comprehension of our language what if somebody did this out home with the level of comprehension that a lot of our young ones have like it was a simple 30 minute exercise that we did in a college classroom but if you were to be able to do that for longer periods of time out here with a Hopi speaker and a lot of people that had little comprehension to some comprehension to no comprehension like you could do so much with that type of teaching practice and you know as to why things like that aren't happening you know I really don't know the answer to that um, but but to answer your question that, that that's how I would do it I thought you were going to say I have a I have the level of a comprehension of a of a uh, of a goldfish that I can't I, that I that learning that skill there was was amazing to you so <laughs> And so, I mean, like a lot of the times when we when we well, do, at least you're off of urbans, and now you're on skill. So we're we're at least getting you to switch things up. So, but I guess I guess in a way, when you really think about the the whole idea of, of teaching younger children, well, well, how how would you do it? What, how would what, I do what, it? What would Carl's? I would do it the military be. way. Um, <laughs> it's like get down until you say a squally. Say it right. Say it right. Say it in the third Mesa style. <laughs> We're in Hotville. We're in Hotville, not, not in first Mesa. It's not Esquilly. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't. I have no idea how I would teach a child Hopi, because I'm not a teacher in Hopi. I just explain to them in Hopi, hoping that they would kind of understand the gist of of what I'm trying to say. But then again, I would say it in English. Yeah. Like you know, they're like. All the Dikivas because, now. Because you, well, you you yeah. you are in a position to where you're around kids at times. Yeah. Because for the listeners of the podcast, you know that Carl has a dance group, and that 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 I guess would be your opportunity to be an educator. Yeah. To, to these yeah. young minds. And and you know, like when they listen to the songs, they they understand the songs, the beat. But yet, when they when you talk to them in Hopi, it's a whole different idea of what they're thinking. I guess when when I um, who I I can't remember who, but there was this one person that said that when I hear Hopi, I have to I have to relate it into like uh, English first and then back to Hopi, so then I kind of understand it. And I didn't understand what what that meant. I didn't understand why do you have to change Hopi Levi in your mind to English. And then back to Hopi again, and in order for you to understand it, what I, I I never knew that what what that whole idea was until it it was it, it's kind of true because a lot of the times because when when you are a native Bahana speaker, when you're a native when your first le- language is uh, Bahana English, <laughs> then you, when you're learning a new language, you have to relate it to something that you already know. 
And so that's where I, I, I understood that, oh, okay, so you're just relating to something, relating that language to, to something that you already know and then back to the mm -hmm. language that you mm -hmm. want to learn. Mm -hmm. And so that was the thing because like I, I never knew that. I never knew that. My, my, my uh, example of that is uh, when I was younger, and first learning how to say our colors in, in our language yeah. was uh, sikya. Sikya. Because then when you think about lemons, yeah. what color are lemons? Yellow. They're yellow. Yeah. And then what are they? They're also sikya. They're also sikya. They're also sikya. <laughs> so that's how I learned, how I, how, how I, I learned, uh, learned, learned to, um, I guess, kind of uh, navigate between that sikya Lemons, sour, and then sikyangpo. <laughs> That's a very hard way of learning. <laughs> but I get, you know, when, when you do think about language and when you do think about like our language, is our language complicated? Do you, do you, do you feel that Hopi language is complicated? Not really. I mean, like when you do think of like the sentence structures and everything like that, do you think that it gets complicated that way? I, I think what complicates it is that when you're trying to learn, and I see this all over social media, I, I've talked about this a bunch, is that people try to learn Hopi, how you learn English, and you can't because they're different. They're different. The structure is different. And, you know, I, I thought, you know, because we actually... Um, and I, I think I talked about this on the podcast before because I actually did have a language uh, educator yeah. say, say a comment. And then I never understood his comment at that time because then, you know, there was this whole big old long comment thread on a social media post. Yeah. And then it related to our language. This was on Facebook. And then this language educator who actually happens to be here in the room, shout out to Arvis Myron, but he said... He said that in order to learn Hopi, you have to think Hopi. And when he said that, I didn't know what he meant. Like it was, I kind of had a difficult time understanding what he meant. But I didn't understand what he meant until people started asking me, how do you say these things in Hopi? Yeah. Because then people would approach me and they would, you know, basically they want a completely transcribed Bahana sentence in Hopi. But then in a lot of those instances, I told them that you can't transcribe this 100% word for word from Hopi to English because what it is that you're trying to say that that concept is alien to Hopi. And so if that concept is alien to Hopi, then more than likely that there's no lavai for it. There's no words for it. And that's when it finally hit me on the head what I understood what that statement was. That you have to think Hopi in a way, yeah. Because then you have to think of how a Hopi thinks. You have to think of how a Hopi looks at the world. You have to think about what a Hopi praise for because then when you can understand those things then you can better understand 
how our language works because then the way that I, I built it in my own head, it's like we have our own universe as Hopi people. We have our own universe. Within this universe is our physical location, our, our mesas, all of the different places, all of the springs, all of these different things. In addition to that, within our universe is our quote unquote religion, is, is how we believe the world works, how we believe that our own actions can influence good fortune for ourselves. And within our universe are obviously the physical things that we have that in our possession. And then, you know, a lot, of, a lot of that has kind of been built into what's created this culture for us. And so when you can understand all of that, then I think then you can understand the language a little bit better because then you know because here we're here in 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 this big auditorium yeah yeah and to the right of us there is a line of tables that are representing various Hopi organizations and why my organization didn't get an invite to set up and I, I don't know who I talked to about that I'm just kidding. but you got all <laughs> you weren't of these, that important so <laughs> you got all of these tables here right and we've talked about this on a podcast before that you know a big part of a lot of the organizational work that a lot of these organizations here on Hopi, what they do, what's important is marketing. Marketing is important because yeah. the world needs to know that you exist. Yeah. The world needs to know what your purpose is and the world needs to understand the type of work that you're doing, especially if you're a nonprofit organization because then that's your means of getting donors new donors that are going to take an interest in what it is that you do and then to help to be able to fund you that way. But a big part of the marketing that I've seen on Hopi with these Hopi organizations is through social media. And you and I actually have actually, we're the ones that created this. And so whether you like it or not, Either we're the ones to blame for it or we're the ones to praise for it because you and I are the ones that started. But it's called something Hopi Word of the Day. Oh, yeah. Hopi, Hopi Word, Word of the, of the Day, day yeah. is something that we started with the local organization here. And using that concept of a Hopi Word of the Day, that it showed that it was one of our most successful, one of our most engaging, one of our most interacted with, shared posts that we did via social media with sharing yeah, a Hopi yeah. word and then using a sample, a sample sentence and how you use that word. And so monkey see, monkey do that caught fire. And then so now you have all of these other organizations <laughs> yeah. attempting to use the Lavai to as a marketing as, tool. As a marketing yeah, tool. Yeah, basically as, as a marketing, as a marketing tool. tool. And then so when I've seen it on social media because a lot of what these organizational missions are, a lot of them are very much rooted in the concepts that are originated from Pahankatsi, from the white man's way of life. But then when we're trying to use our Lavai as a marketing tool to promote our organizations, to promote our organizational work, then in turn to try to transcribe the missions, to try to transcribe the organizational objectives, 
it starts to kind of become oil and water, which is a, a term that you've said before on the podcast, that it becomes very difficult to do. And not to pick on a particular organization, but I believe that they're actually here. And, you know, there, there's... What, KUII? There, <laughs> there, there, there's one example. There's one example that I saw because, you know, there was uh, an organization that deals with, with domestic violence. Yeah. And so there's a particular organization that deals with that and they had um, a marketing piece on social media. But I believe that whatever program that they were trying to promote mostly dealt with older ladies, older ladies. And so in Hopi, you know, our term for older women is wuti. Yeah. It's wuti. Yeah. And so that's who this program was geared towards. But then when you look at the marketing piece that they decided to use, the picture of the marketing piece was of Amana. And then <laughs> okay. so only if you're a speaker. Manso. Then you <laughs> then then you can see where even us as Hopis were kind of not really aligned with our Lawai because then you know they were trying to promote um, promote a program that was geared towards older women. But then yet they're uh, promoting to their, a younger their, crowd. Their poster child or the poster for the program was Amana. And? And, and so, <laughs> and so that, that's kind of my example as, as far as, you know, like even Hopis here, you, Hopis as the ones that are running the organization. That because, you know, your, 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 your whole big thing was that, you know, language isn't a tool. Yeah. But we are using it as a tool. We are okay. using it all as right, a tool right, right. So in a marketing manner. Do, do you? But then yet, you know, unfortunately, that a lot of us within these organizations aren't fully comprehensible in our lavai that we're somewhat misusing it, I uh, guess. I, uh, that, that was basically my, my question was, do you think these organizations out here are abusing their power of using Hopi to promote their work in a way? Or is it a way to promote their understanding of how we think that we understand their program through Hopi Levai. I'll let you answer the question first as I gather my thoughts. All right. I, that was my question to you. But, okay, but I, I, I believe that the organizations out here that use Hopi as a means of a marketing tool do have that ability to, I guess, abuse it in a way, abuse the, the language to get their, their point across, to get more people to, I guess, more money, more funding, more people to acknowledge their program. But yet, are, is it a real beneficial way of doing it? Well, I, I, I guess, you know, because you're, you're asking about abuse, is it, is it abuse? I, I don't think it's abuse, but then when you know we're in this idea, we're in this realm of education, trying to learn how to speak the language, that I think that when you're using our language as a tool and you're putting it on, pla on pla places like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, I think that we have to be careful and that we have to ensure that what it is that we're writing is as accurate as possible. Yeah. And I say that because then a lot of our people that have no comprehension of the language, this be the ones that are living in the urban areas, that they use these posts as a means for education. 
that they're using these posts as a way to learn the language. And I've mentioned this on a previous episode that, you know, one of my, my pet peeves is that when I see people posting in Hopi, that they don't, they, they, they don't write it correctly, that there's a lot of errors, that a lot of it is Hopiglish. And my issue with this is because then, you know, it's the younger generation that look at these posts and they use it as a means of education. And so when we're posting incorrectly, then they see those posts and they believe that that's the proper way to of, say it. Of doing and things, then yeah. so in turn, they start improperly getting an understanding of how our, our language works. And then that improper use or improper spelling, it builds and it continues. And then, you know, it becomes a, a wrong way a wrong way of learning the language but then you know you, you have some Lavai police out there that they're 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 quick to attack the organizations that are using a Lavai as a marketing tool but then you don't see them in these posts yeah from the individuals within the village and you know I, I think that you know my belief is that because these individuals within the posts there's a face to it there's a name to it our people get real tokotsi and then you know they get really upset when you try to correct them and so you know I it, think that I guess, that's where I guess I guess where, where that as opposed to an organizational Facebook account where there's no real face to it I think I and think, there's a requirement of professionalism to be used with an organizational account I, I think that this kind of goes to together with um, what is it the, the Hopi Hopi videos you know you have the Hopi dance videos Remember where where everybody was having that controversy about uh, posting our sacred dances on YouTube, and when you th- when you think about it, all of those all of those things, and if you want to think about it, and if you really think about it, is that is is our language really sacred enough for us not to post it on social media? Is our language? Uh, you know, really sacred to us only as Hopis that we should be the ones to just learn that rather than everybody else learning it out there like like uh, like Spanish or uh, Japanese or Portuguese. <coughs> and and when you when you think about all of these things and when you when you hear about like, oh yeah, we can't post our social dances on social media because that entails that we are we are doing things wrong. But then we don't think about how how our language is sacred to us, and that we should only be using the language on the Hopi reservation. And so when we post things on social media, that's basically a catch twenty two. When you when you think about it, we're we're not we 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 kind of abuse that power. That yeah, I know the I know that language, and then so I'm gonna make a post in Hopi, not knowing that this this must be a sacred type of uh, language that only us Hopis should have knowledge about. I, I think it's a pretty good point as far as you know thinking about where is it proper to have our language. Because I think that 20 years ago, that if you were to ask the speakers back then, where does our language belong? They would say only in the villages, Uh, only in the homes. Because then, you know, even just 20 years ago that there was a big controversy of teaching the language in schools. Because there was this firm belief that the... the, 
the, the school of the colonizer should not be the one to reintroduce the language to our people. But then, you know, 20 years later, I don't think that there's a single school on the reservation that doesn't have some sort of language class. And so obviously that's become more acceptable now. But then now, you know, you ask, you know, who should be speaking Hopi? You know, I think that the unanimous answer would probably be Hopis. Hopis, Only yeah. Hopis. Only Hopis, Only yeah. Hopis should be speaking Hopi and nobody else. But then what about 20 years from now, 2044, you pose that question, who should be speaking Hopi? The answer might be anybody that has the ability to acquire the language just to keep it alive. And so, you know, I think that that answer kind of changes over time. It changes with how the language goes. And, you know, I really think that that's probably the purpose of this symposium is to have this conversation about where does it belong? Who should it be taught to? Who should be allowed to learn it? And then, you know, that kind of creates something that then then goes from there because then, you know, you, you got... Um, there are language kits out there that can be acquired by anybody, I believe, via, are, via, via, are via we, online purchasing means. And then, so therefore, you know, technically somebody is, that's uh, not Hopi today could learn the language. Is, is Rose, Rosetta Stone? Yeah. Is Hopi part of that? No. No? No. No. What about like the? We're, remember we're, the? We're not that advanced. Well, remember that app where you can hold it, hold up to your phone to the a, only, the only, a native the speaker. The only non-Hopi entity we gave our Lavai to is Jesus, because I believe that you know <laughs> the only other thing that's transcribed in our Lavai is the Bible. Oh yeah, there's a website out there I I remember that has a Hopi translation <laughs> of of, uh, of basically the Bible itself. <laughs> And I think I don't know. I don't know how to feel about that. I have no idea how to feel about you know Jesus. Uh, you Jesus can, preaching to us in our you can, language. You can learn uh, hymns, hymns in our Levi <laughs> that can be part of your teaching course. <laughs> but then again, I mean, like, if you're talking about the the future itself, if you're talking about 20, 30 years from now, like the you know you, we had, I think we had the preschool here, you know. 30 years from now, they'll be what? Like 30... They'll be in their 30s. Their 30s, almost their 30s. 40 years mm-hmm. old. Yeah, they'll be they'll be at that advanced stage there. How would they... How would they comprehend the Hopi language then? Will they still have... Uh, <laughs> will, they, will they still have like podcasts in the future? Yeah. I'm very be. excited to see if, they, if we're, we're still on the air 40 years from now. But... <laughs> But then again, it's like, it's so weird in a way that when you think about language, is our language dying? Is, is, is our language going to be non-existent you, in the future? You know future? the answer to that. And I know the answer to that, which is yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, it will be non-existent in the future. And the reason why non-existent in the future is because our first language is English and we can't we can't seem to get away from that. Every school here on the Hopi Reservation is geared towards learning the white man's way of life. And that's why we're, we're always going to lose our language. And 30 years from now, we would have nothing 
but just symposiums trying to bring back our language. And that's why. <laughs> and then that's when you're going to be thankful for the books. Yeah, know, that's what we're thankful for all the Hopi Levi books. Always and downgrading stuff. the books. But and then that's when we'll start saying, you know, oh, yeah, social of media, your, we should bring your that back. Inabilities so. to look 30 years into the future, that's why. <laughs> And so that's that's the thing is that it it's a sad truth when you really see it and it's a sad truth about how we as as Hopis don't acknowledge it in a way where it's like 30 40 years from now we're going to have no language at all. We'll have the culture but we don't have the understanding of why this is like this. Why do we do things in a certain way? And if you look at it now hope all of these villages around here aren't doing what we are supposed to be doing. We're just doing like hayaupu. Hayaupu meaning just like, like basically we'll just do it in a way where we're supposed to do it and then we'll stop in kind of, you know, a fashion where it's like, uh, we'll do it a certain way and then we'll finish it in that, you know, an easier way, I guess. Well, you know, I, it'd be interesting because, you know, I, I think that if, if it wasn't the lunch break and everybody was still sitting here, we could kind of do like a, a short survey. Yeah. As far as, you know, who who all here has listened to our podcast before. And then, none of them you know, would, because, would raise because, their hand. you know, there, there's a couple, <laughs> oh, there's a couple of, of folks people. here. And the reason why I asked that is because then, like, I, I, I've heard this rant like a hundred times. Yeah. And I just wanted to see who else <laughs> out there has heard this rant a hundred times. <laughs> And who who this rant is brand new to? <laughs> so, that would have been a good good tool because like I'm just sitting here like oh my god this again like you said this yeah I said that like ten and times then, already. Like, I'm just trying to think like who else here <laughs> probably thinks that too that I've heard this guy say this a hundred times and then. <laughs> but I guess I guess what I'm trying to say is that is this is is our language. Yes, Carl. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. Perfect. Help you get there quicker. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> but then, what? What? What's? I guess you know that that's the whole purpose of us being here, and the whole purpose of us talking. Yeah. Is that well? Then what do we do? What do we do? Like yeah. What are, do we do are, about are, it? Are, are what, we, what do we really do about are we it? What's what's going the, to do? What's the goal? Just or, well, we know the goal as yeah. usual. And just let everything fall off a cliff, or are we going to try to save it in a way? And then, you know, if the answer is we want to save it, then what's next? I, what, I what's say, what's next? Like, are we just gonna drive a van around the villages I, and then and preach, just kidnap kids, and then just preach to them, <laughs> dump them off at the immersion school, <laughs> and hope that you know that they're that gonna learn, learn something. something, and then you know, run to. Uh, to the Cape Town store and just buy one of those footlong sandwiches, a <laughs> couple bags of chips and then feed them that way. And then when they're done, then we take them back home and then try to dodge the cops because they're trying to arrest us because they think Probably. that we kidnap Probably. children. But, I, I, you know, and I, I think that, you know, there's there's a lot to be said because then I, I think that and I, I really wish that I was able to listen to the presenters yesterday and then earlier today. But, you know, because of work unable to do that but you know I really wish that I could have heard the other ideas because then at least from what I've seen from what I've seen and how we approach this idea of language preservation how we approach this idea of language revitalization that I really do feel like that it's a real black and white approach but then like when you really examine our people because then like we we get so we we're, we're easily um 
we're e- easily what is that word when you're uh, entertained just, just focused on we're one easily thing entertained. when you're just, just focused on one thing when you have that hallway vision that when you have that hallway vision that we only think about the people that we see in front of us yeah but with my profession in education i know for a fact that there's a high population of hopis in flagstaff there's yeah. a high population of yeah. hopis in holbrook there's a high population of hopis in winslow there's yeah. a high population all of urbans down in the valley all urbans. and the, so when we're actually able to see who our people are and where they are then we understand that it covers a much larger vast area of just our own reservation when we're able to see the full picture, then we can truly understand what the various approaches that we should be able to take in order to create ways for people to learn the language. Because then, you know, there's a different approach for those of us that live here on the reservation. There's going to be a different approach for those folks that are living in the border towns. And then there's going to be a different approach for those folks that are living in the larger urban areas. But then, you know, and I think that that's kind of what makes it complicated. But then that's the whole purpose of us being here talking about it is that to understand that there's all these various populations, there's this various audience, there's this very ways of learning processes because then if you lived your whole life in a city and you've never seen the spring before then when you're trying to teach them the word for like water yeah what pops up in their mind when they're thinking about those words that they've never seen a spring before. What the heck are you speaking about? But then again, I mean, like, there's so much about language, and there's, I'm pretty sure that this this language symposium would go on for a whole month just teaching about the language and stuff like that. And it should. And I congratulate all of you uh, professors out there are trying to do uh, education towards trying to preserve the language. says behind your guys' backs. Yeah, and I I call you guys uh, urban Indians anyway. But anyway, uh, thank you guys for listening to this hour-long conversation. And if you got this far, if you got this far, I mean, I congratulate you guys for doing that and doing so like that. And uh, if you guys are on... And we're going to take a break from the phrase that pays. And we're going to take a break for the phrase that pays. For those that are listening. Yeah. So if you guys are on... uh, If you guys want to pay $7.99 a month, we do offer that as a subscription. And you you actually get more of what we do talk about in in our paid uh, podcast rather than what we do speak on the regular podcast. As an honorable salesman, I would advise you to not pay seven ninety nine a month until Carl can get his butt to record yeah, second episode. That's a week. true. But if you're not following us on our social medias, we can be found all across the boards at Carl and J Man on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, don't forget to give us a five star review because your podcast isn't five stars unless your Apple Podcast says you're five stars. If you're listening to this on anything other than Spotify, listen to it a second time again on Spotify because they do sponsor the podcast. All right. Well, thank you for Car- for listening to Carl and J Man Save the World podcast. My name is Carl. And this is my best friend, James. So long, quack, quack.